are here. So I'm looking here. I'm looking at you. Hello, everyone else. Hello, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. If you don't know, I kind of simulcast this message across a variety of platforms. So you may see me looking all over the place. And it's just because there's a lot going on here in the back end. Welcome to day two of the 21 Days of Leadership Daily live streams. And today, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about or covering the topic, does your team hate working with you? This is a very interesting topic. It's a very controversial topic. Um, but I picked this topic because it's something that can come and bite you in the butt and you won't even know about it until it's too late. So, um, hey, uh, JCLG22. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, as always, if you have any comments or any suggestions, make sure that you leave them in the comment box. I will get to them at the end. We're going to go ahead and get started because I don't want this to take up too much of your time. I know you're all busy. For those of you that didn't watch yesterday, make sure you go back and check the live stream from yesterday where we talked about burnout and there are some surprising things that you may not know or understand about burnout. Again, today we're talking about does your team hate working with you? Just to reintroduce myself for those of you that are new to our daily live streams, my name is Yashika. I'm a founder and CEO of The Lynn Group, and my mission is to help leaders lead with impact and do it in a way that is less stressful. Um, we also, as a team within The Lynn Group, we lend our expertise out to organizations, healthcare organizations all over the world to dramatically improve their operations as well as their leadership capabilities. So most of the leaders that I work with, myself included, we want to come to work. And, you know, sometimes it's so crazy that we just want to come in and do what we got to do and get out the door. But for the most part, that's not fulfilling or enriching. So we, we want to make a difference because if we're not making a difference, we start to get disengaged and all the other things primarily similar to what we talked about in yesterday's episode. Otherwise, what's the point? Um, also, we are particularly, if we're particularly skilled in our profession, right? For most of us, we went to school for a very long time, did some very intense studying, invested a lot of money and resources into our chosen profession, whether we be on the business side of things, in medicine, in nursing, in pharmacy, whatever it is, you get it. But when we start to progress up the ladder in our career, we can mistakenly think that our excellence in our skill sets that we went to school for translate into being a good leader. And that is simply not true. If any of you have read my ebook, The Top Five Mistakes Leaders in Healthcare Make, then you know that there's um, this phenomenon that happens that, you know, if you're good at your job, you tend to get promoted through the ranks, even if you may not be qualified for those subsequent ranks that you continue to progress towards or are propelled into. And so you just need to know that just because you're a good doctor, a nurse, uh, good at business, it doesn't mean that you're a good leader. And I see this mistake happen all the time. Whether you want to believe it or not, about 60% of your team's performance, it, people say like 55 to 60% of your team's performance is based on your leadership. And if you know that there are some um, underlying suboptimal energies within your team, the first place 
you should be examining is you because of the fact that you have this big impact on your team, whether you want to believe it or not. Doesn't Even if you walked into a team of misfits, I've been there. I don't know if you all have. You still are the primary energy that is going to influence the way that that team works out eventually. There are certain deeper reasons for why you also need to look inside yourself for answers. And if you are new to me, what you're going to find is that I harp a lot on this type of stuff because this is not the stuff that is taught and is um, not the stuff that you are instinctually learning unless you purposely learn how to do this. So the deeper reasons why you may need to look inside of yourself for answers is about um, is because when you have triggers happen in your life or when you notice energetic disruptions in your life, those are clues that the energy is off. When you start to notice these things, um, like if you can see them and everything, it oftentimes is too late. You need to learn how to feel things and you need to learn how to internalize these triggers and so that you can know what to do about them because primarily when these things crop up, there are signals that something is wrong and the signal is always to go inward, not to try to blame or find reason and meaning in things outside that could be the cause because that's really not how life works. If you think it does, you can go and watch our live streams from last summer. Um, the playlist is on YouTube. It's under the Power of Now playlist. You'll get to learn all about that. We're not going to talk about that today. But I want to break it down today to you on a practical level about how energy works and how energy works within your leadership um, capabilities. So first of all, as a leader, it's up to you to rise above the noise of the team and learn how to be perceptive. And you don't know how many people, and this might be you, don't know how to do that. You um, stay at the level of your team, even though you're supposed to be the leader of your team. It doesn't matter how crappy the conditions you have to lead in are. What matters is what are you going to do to help to make it better or at least not make it worse? So if you can't be perceptive as a leader, you are going to fail. I'll say it again. If you cannot be perceptive as a leader, if you don't know what that means, if you're not doing that, you are going to fail. Your team and even your peers are most likely not going to come out and tell you that they don't like working with you. They don't like you, let alone any other issues that are going on within the team. You need to think about that. There are so many people that you probably have worked with that rub you the wrong way, that you don't like, you don't care for. Do you go up and tell them that you don't like them, you don't care for them, they do a crappy job, any of those things? No. So why would you expect that your team is going to tell you? And if you start to get that information and feedback, you're probably already too late. So if you are not sensitive, this is where you need to tap into that perception because they're not going to tell you. So if you're not sensitive and aware enough to understand leadership beyond the status quo of what you are experiencing with, with your five senses, what you see on your team, what you hear on your team, all of those things, you're going to find yourself in tough leadership positions, tough leadership situations because Again, primarily the way you pick up on this type of information is through 
energy and through how things feel instinctually or how your intuition feels when you walk in the room and they stop talking and talking um, when you walk in the room, like things like that. You have to be more aware. They're not going to tell you. And if you don't understand what I mean when I'm talking about not being status quo and only leading from your five senses, then only going by what you see and all those things, you need to step out of those five senses. When you are using your five senses to be a leader, what you're doing is making leadership about you, right? It's what can you see? What can you hear? Um, what are all the other things? What can you smell? Depending on where you are, right? However, when you step into leadership from your perception, from your intuition first, and then use your five senses as another mechanism that's going to feed you information, what you're going to find is that you are making it about them because you're asking questions like, how do they feel? What subtle um, little things that are going on on their face when they talk to you? How is their energy? How is their body language? How does it feel when they talk to each other versus when they talk to me? That type of stuff. That's not about you. That's what real leadership is about. But if you want to make it about your five senses, you're making it about yourself. So how do you know if your team likes you before it's too late and you find yourself in jeopardy of losing your job? Because like I said, nobody's nine times out of 10, nobody's going to tell you that they don't like working with you. They're going to get fed up. They're going to start complaining about you. And by that time, there's going to be so much resentment and toxicity that you probably end up finding yourself in a, a tough place. I've been there. I've had to help organizations with this. I've had to help leaders overcome this. So I have a list of some signs that you know that your team doesn't like working with you that have been taken straight from my clients so that you can have some clues on what that looks like in your own life. So one, one or two of them might even surprise you. So for instance, your team is polite. And you might think being polite is a good thing, but being polite can be a sign of, I'm just going to get in here. I'm going to do my job. If my boss come and talk to me, I'm just going to give them a little <laughs> and tell them what they want to hear so they can hurry up and get out of my face. Um, they only speak with you about work. So although there are, I believe there should be boundaries and communication in the professional workplace, oftentimes when you have respect and you have a good rapport and you have a good team, the conversation is not just about work. It's about getting to know each other on a more personal but appropriate basis and um, not keeping conversations professional, short, that type of thing. So anything outside of that, when you're trying to talk to your team about, let's say, how's your daughter? How's your husband? What'd you do this weekend? And you feel, this is where your perception comes in. You start to feel like it feels forced or like it feels awkward. That could be a sign that they don't like working with you. Um, number two is they go around you. A lot of times <laughs> leaders want their team members to come to them for support and um, for guidance. However, if you find that your team members don't want to talk to you, they don't want to ask you questions, they don't want to ask you for help, rather than come to you, they have a designated second in command or another coworker or another member of the team that they talk to when it comes to work or otherwise. If you've already received complaints, then you probably know that 
the people don't like working with you. Your team doesn't like working with you. But this is a big clue that, that this is not something new, like a not a one-time situation. If you are ever called into a conversation and the topic of the conversation around the strife that they may be having with you spans over the course of more than one incident, they probably don't like working with you and they've probably been keeping tabs on what you've been doing, how you've been behaving, how you've been performing in order to formulate the, not only the, the case against you, but to also have the gumption to finally say something because they're to the point where they are just fed up with working with you. Um, you may have no idea. This is another one. Like maybe they don't tell you that they don't like working with you, but they don't say much. You don't know how they feel about anything. You don't know if they like what they're doing. You don't know if they don't like what they're doing or what's going on. They just don't even engage. They don't say anything, especially to you. That's a clue that they probably don't like working with you. And I want you guys to pay attention to this one too, because a lot of times, like I said, 99% of the time, nobody's going to tell you about the problems going on within the team or the problems that they have with you. It's a little bit awkward and it's intimidating. And most people don't feel comfortable enough having that conversation until it's too late. However, there are going to be some people on your team that may be a little bit more strong-willed or strong-minded or more assertive that will finally start to say things and maybe even try to talk to other members of the team to commiserate and to get them on board, right? Because you don't want to feel like you're the only one that's seeing things or feeling like things are off. So you may experience on your team gossip and rumors. And the first thing that leaders resort to when they have a team member that is gossipy or rumor or spreading rumors, or if the whole team starts to do that, is that they think that that's the squeaky wheel that's impacting the whole department. But let me tell you something. If you were truly a good leader and you truly were doing what you needed to do and leading from a place of uh, emotional intelligence and support and all of the things, they aren't gossiping alone, right? So even if the other people aren't brave enough to say anything or are not maybe not starting the conversation, but are participating in the conversation, you need to look at that as a clue that, hey, even though I have this squeaky wheel over here stirring stuff up, the other members of my team are participating in the conversation, the gossip, the rumors. So, hey, there's something off here and that could be a clue that your team doesn't like working with you. So what do you do about it, right? So I think I have like a few notes here on some things that you can do if you find yourself in this situation or maybe just put it in your back pocket for when you progress in your leadership. So the first thing you should do, first of all, don't continuously try to talk to your team about how they should come to you and how they should trust you and your open door policy and all of that stuff because guess what they don't like you and that's the main issue they don't want to talk to you they don't want to come to your office they don't trust you 
Don't ask them to lean on you for support or to be open and honest with you because guess what? Nobody does that when they don't like you. That's so, don't do that. It just makes things much more disingenuous and it makes you seem disconnected from your team because you can't even perceive that they don't want to do that because they don't feel comfortable with, with you and they don't like you. They don't care about how much you want to be their mentor or grow or orient them because they don't feel comfortable talking to you. They don't like working with you. Okay. I know I'm sounding really harsh, but I really want you to get this in your head because if not, this is the number one thing that continues to have this behavior persist until it becomes toxic. So things you could do for real, for real, do regular check-ins. And I don't mean like these stupid little check-ins where you put a one-on-one -on, -one on your calendar, you call somebody into the office, you talk about surface things like work, how's the job going, blah, 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 blah. Do you feel burned out? We all feel burned out. We're tired. We're stressed. That's not what a one-on-one -on -one check-in should be. What are your team members' aspirations? How are they feeling about the work? What support do they need as an individual from you in order to be successful? I've seen so many people abuse the one-on-one -on -one check-in time that it, it's just a joke. Get in touch with your people and don't wait until it's time to hurry up and crunch out some evals and you have to put something on a piece of paper. Check in for real from the heart and check in often. Um, unfortunately, due to the nature of my work, I see problems usually when they have progressed and when they have become toxic, right? A lot of people don't invest in things before the problem occurs. They bring people like me and my team in after things have, have gotten bad and now you have to be reactive to a serious situation. And so I'm usually brought in when things are bad and often I'm either helping leaders and organizations figure out what caused the poor attitudes on their team or the subpar morale on their team. And as an outsider, I usually get, um, I'm a safe space, right? And so I'm able to be someone that their team can trust to tell me what they perceive to be going on and also get key pieces of information on how to turn things around because I'm not in it every day with you. I'm not a member of your team. So twofold, I can see a lot of things that you all may not see on your teams. But if you are a leader and if you are in charge of other leaders, and your leaders are crappy, <laughs> your leaders are costing your organization millions up to over $300 billion due to their piss for their piss poor performance and how they impact other people in your organization. And so I would also ask you to advocate on getting the leaders in your organization help because we don't get a manual for the stuff that I'm teaching you today. Or if you are an individual and you know that you may be struggling and you don't have the tools that you need to be a good leader, you can proactively help repair your team and develop your leadership skills by working with somebody that can help you on an individual level with whatever it is that you're going through before it's too late. So don't wait and do check-ins. Those are my two things that will help you turn your team around. 
All right. So <laughs> I know that this was kind of a, you, we could talk about this for a long time because this is a very sensitive topic and it's very triggering for people that don't want to hear that people don't like you. Whatever you say about your open door, it's not going to make them like you. So it's about approaching the situation from a different angle. Um, so I would love to hear your thoughts or comments that you have related to this topic. And again, please spread the word because like I said, us leaders in healthcare just don't get this kind of training. And if we do, again, it's usually geared at hard skills and not these soft skills that you really need to be successful. Make sure you come back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time for our daily live streams. We're even going to be here on the weekend, guys. And um, if you want to get text reminders, I'm going to put a phone number up on the screen. Go ahead and text the word leadership to 833-231-4407 if you want me to send you a text reminder. Tomorrow's topic is going to be also a very good one. And it's also probably more that's going to trigger you and your internal philosophy. And it's more about if you think your personal problems don't impact your ability to lead, then you need to think again. It's hard for leaders to admit that their personal traits and their personality traits and issues are negatively impacting their team and impacting their leadership, but it absolutely does no matter what you tell yourself and how well you think that you keep your personal life separate from your professional life. So that's what we'll be going over tomorrow. I will see you then. Same time, same place. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye.